We serve a God of compassion who is kind and loving. We'll look at a few scriptures. Look at Isaiah 49, verse 13. Sing for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have what? Say it with me. Compassion on them even in their suffering. Even when they're going through something, he's compassionate. James 5, verse 11. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord that the Lord is very what? Compassionate and merciful. Very compassionate and merciful. Merciful, break it down, it just means full of mercy. That's, that's God. And that's part of the definition. When you look in the Greek and Hebrew words for compassionate, that's the definition. To show love, to show mercy, to show pity, to show kindness, all of that is compassionate. No matter where people are. See, it's easy to love people that love you, right? It's easy to be kind to those people. What's hard is to be kind and loving and compassionate to those who maybe aren't treating you right. That's the difficult part. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Look at Psalms 116, verse 5. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Do you believe God is compassionate yet? Well, let me just give you a couple more. Psalms 145, verse 9. The Lord is good to who? Everyone. He showers compassion on all of his creation. That's, that's the God we serve. Compassionate on everyone. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 and 4. Praise be to God the, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. If you haven't picked up on it, whenever it's compassion, it's just say it with me. So I'll just keep saying it. Okay. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our trouble so we can comfort those in any trouble with the same comfort we receive from God. <clears throat> now look at this passage. We're still talking about the Father's compassion. Luke 15, verse 11 through 32. I'm not going to read the whole thing because we've talked about this before, but it's the, it's the parable of the prodigal son, the lost son, is what it talks about, depending on what translation you're using. But you have this son who comes to his dad and says, I, you know, I want to go ahead and have my portion of the inheritance I want to do my thing, basically. His father gives to him. Now, the reason that was so hurtful and harmful, because what he was saying was, because you received that when your father passed away is when you received your inheritance. By getting that early, he's saying to his father, you're dead to me. That's the basic feeling of the father when the son says, I want, I want to live my life as if you were already gone. And I want what you have to go ahead and give it to me. And he went out and he did all this crazy wild, sinful living. And he found himself in just a, a mud pit with pigs is where he ended up. He ended up in just not a good place. And he finally said, well, the, the translation in the verse says this, it says, when he came to his senses, in other words, he realized, what did I do? But he didn't realize that as soon as he left. He started living his life and enjoying things the way he wanted. I'm sure at the beginning he was like, yeah, freedom, you know. And he's doing his own thing. But at some point, there was no fulfillment. At some point he realized this is empty. And he came to his senses, but he's there and he's like, I've already, I've messed up. And he said, you know what, even the servants at my house have it better than what I do. So I'm going to go back and I'm just going to tell my dad, listen, I know that I messed up. I'm no longer fit to even be called your son. 
I just will be a servant. Can I just come back as a servant? And he starts to head back. Now look at verse 20. If you can pull that up in, the, in that translation of Luke 15. If you put up verse 20. It says, so when he started to return home, he was on the way home. And it's that while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Now listen what it says about the father. Listen, the father was just basically pushed out from the relationship with his son. And it says, the father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. You want to talk about someone who probably had a right to be upset? Who had a right to think what you did was wrong? And, and you'll be lucky to even be a servant. Because you didn't act like my son. And, to, and you, you didn't see me as your father anymore. You, didn't want, you, didn't, you, you wanted to go ahead and live as if I wasn't here. So in the natural, he may have had his own reasons that he could have been mad and angry or bitter. But here's what it says. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He, listen, he didn't even, I don't even think he really knew at the moment everything of what the son was coming back for. I'm sure he knew, okay, I knew he was coming back. I knew he'd come back. Because he was, he was out almost like he was waiting for him. Because when he's still far off, he sees him. He's like, there he is. And he didn't sit there like some of us earthly dads maybe would have done. Mm-hmm. Come here. And you, you, know, you wait on them to get here so you can teach them their lesson. But sometimes the greatest lesson you can teach somebody is a lesson on compassion and a lesson of unconditional love. And like I said, I, I look at my life, and I wish I could tell you I am the most compassionate person I know. And I'm not. I'm the second most. No, I'm just kidding. I, I try to be very compassionate, but I can still see times in me where I, I, I don't <laughs> be compassionate. I was trying to think, what do I do? I don't know. I'm not always considering of what people are feeling and what people are going through. Sometimes I see how it affects me or how it affects stuff. And, and, and it can sometimes be, um, listen, if you're new here, just this is what happens sometimes. I'm, I'm just real. Okay, I'm not, uh, if you have, if you put pastors on a, pastors on a pedestal, you're, you're at the wrong place. Um, but I can tell you, there's been times even when people come to the church, not people in the church, but outsiders, sometimes you'll get people that go to different churches and they need, they're looking for some help, for some money. And sometimes those can be, you know, they just want money to do stuff they shouldn't. And you have to, but I've been in ministry for over 25 years and I've seen a lot of deceit. And I've almost erred toward not trusting anybody and not having compassion for anybody because I've seen so much, you know, lies. People come in with this story and they just want, they just want money to go get drugs or alcohol or whatever. They, they're really not trying to get on their feet. And, and I've seen it. But, you know, there are some people who really do need help. And I, I, don't, I don't mind. <laughs> I, probably, I think I've told this before, but... Um, I, just so you know, part of the way you can grow, part of the way I grew in this a avenue, this place of benevolence, is I passed it off to Christ. <laughs> I said, hey, man, you, you can discern better, you know. And then if he, thumbs, if he comes to me, I'm like, well, you know, you know, how, you know where I stand. Nope, you know. And I'm, I'm better. 
But I still have, I can still have that tendency. Well, I was, there was one Sunday, we were at church, and uh, I had just finished speaking, and I went to the back door and to get ready just to greet people as they were leaving. Thanks for coming. And, you know, just pro- preach the message on love or whatever it was. God loves us. Let's be, let's go win the world for Jesus type. I don't even know what I talked about, but I'm sure it was positive and encouraging and loving. And I go to the door, and there's a guy, and he has this uh, piece of paper, and he said something about he needed some help. And, and who could he talk to? And he, he just needed some money. And so I read it, and he says, uh, and, he, and he writes, he says, I'm deaf. And honestly, it, y'all love me, right? I just want to check, because this, this might hurt your feelings. Your pastor had this thought. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're deaf, okay. Because I've seen... I've seen this place, I've seen the other side of the manipulation, and people can, people can really have some great stories and really, you know. And again, if I wasn't in ministry, I'd be in the FBI. So there's still that part of me that loves to investigate. <laughs> I do, you can ask them. I investigate situations. If you call and say something, I'll, you know, I'll, I might stop, follow you around for two days, and you won't even know I'm back there. I'm in a U-Haul truck or something. I still investigate things because I just like doing that. But this particular situation, I just didn't believe him. But I just said, you know, I just wrote down, talked to this guy, and I pointed. And Chris came back, and Chris started talking to him. So I'm greeting people and telling people, have a great day. Go love those people. Go be Jesus to people. Meanwhile, I'm, you know, not even giving this guy a chance. So he's sitting right out there while Chris was going to get a paper or something to get some information from him, and uh, where, the, where the wall is back there, and then it turns to go down the hallway toward the kids' ministry. He's sitting with his back against that wall, and the hallway's behind him. So I go down the hallway, and I sneak up behind him. I know. Can you believe this? <laughs> I literally did this. I sneak up behind him, and I slap the wall and yell, Because I didn't believe. I was proving this guy wrong. And he didn't budge. He just sat there. I said, Chris, he's deaf. Help him. Help him, man. That brother, he can't hear. Help him. But can I just tell you, that's not. There's a place in me that I think God can help us discern what's right and wrong. But we have to be very quick that we don't just come up with this stance before we know anything. And we judge people. And I did. I got very convicted of that and I thought because it wasn't just that I did it but I was like there was people in the floor like what was that (laughs) and I was like I was making sure he was as opposed to what does it hurt to just bless him we do as much as we can to figure it out but can I tell you how we've gotten to where we are today is by being a blessing and we give to people all the time but there's certain times when it's coming in off the street that I don't, I'm not so quick to believe everything. And what I'm finding is instead of sitting there and saying, Lord, help us, give us wisdom, I've already discerned before they even get here. When they start walking up, oh, yeah, here comes the story. <laughs> and you know what? God has really challenged me on that. And I can tell you, I've, I have made changes and will continue to make changes to say, Let, let's get information and let's figure it out. And if we need to help them, let's help them. And since then... We have paid rent for people that we don't know. 
We have blessed and paid bills for people that we don't know. That we did our best and got information. You can call the company and say, hey, do they still owe you? And yes, they owe me this much. And all right, so we've done, we do our part. But can you see where I'm talking about the compassion? How if you're not careful, you just don't even give yourself a chance to walk in compassion because you've already sized people up. And that's what we got to be careful of. Y'all still love me? Listen, if you ever need help, you can come ask, okay? They'll be like, dang, man, pastor ain't going to help nobody. That's not it. I will. We love people. We love people. But the father ran to him. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. Here's the place where Jesus was walking in compassion. Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, okay, he sees the crowd of people, he had compassion on them because they were confused and they were helpless and they were like sheep without a shepherd. You know what Jesus saw in them? Because he goes on to say the harvest is great, the workers are few. Pray to the Lord that the harvest would send more workers into the field. But here's what Jesus saw. These people are lost. They're lost. They're just wandering around confused. Can I tell you who needs compassion? The lost. There are lost people around you every day. At your job, in your neighborhood, at, the, at a grocery store, at a Starbucks, at a whatever restaurant. There's lost people around you every day. And sometimes if we're not careful, we, we don't recognize that, that they're lost. And we expect the same standards and the same uh, love and, and all this stuff to flow from these people that are lost. And... I think it's one of those places when Jesus saw that, I think it's something that we learn from. Say, listen, when, you, when you're dealing with people that are lost, the greatest testimony is compassion. Doesn't mean you let people walk all over you, and, but it does mean this, that when something happens and someone doesn't respond the right way, they're lost. What, what do you expect from lost people? People that don't, that don't, don't have no connection to the Father that don't have the Spirit of God living inside of them, that aren't walking in the things of God, does it surprise you? Does it surprise you that the world around us is so dark? You know what they need? They need light. That's what you carry. And your compassion, I mean, what does the Bible say about Jesus? It says his kindness leads us to repentance. That's part of what compassion is. If kindness leads us to repentance, compassion can lead people to repentance. Your compassion for people can draw them to you. They can draw them to Jesus because like, what? How are you so nice and kind? Because Jesus was. The people that were lost. And that's why he was compassionate. He's like, listen, I'm compassionate because they're helpless. They're confused. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Like, oh, that's, what, that's what they're like. So, you know, we're at compassion for us that we, we receive and we see that God is compassionate. We see Jesus walked in compassion. So how do we do that? We connect with a God who's compassionate. We say, Lord, help me to walk in compassion 
towards the lost. Compassion toward the lost isn't just being kind to them, but you know what it also is? When you have an opportunity to give them what they need. And when you're compassionate, it's what our vision is. When you embrace people, then you can encourage them. You know, there's been people that came into this church living a very wicked lifestyle. But we loved them. We loved them. And you know, it didn't take long when we had the, we had the opportunity to speak into to their life what God could do and what their life could be like. And they're much more open to hearing the message of Jesus when they've seen the compassion of Jesus first. When they, when, they, when they see a loving God come from you and you extend kindness and love, people will care more about what you say when they've seen it in your life. And that's, that's why it's important for us to be moved with compassion towards the lost. And when, we, and when the Lord gives us opportunities that we take them and say, listen, let me, you know, I know what you're going through and I, and I, and I know you're hurting, but can I tell you? Man, God is the, God can take that. God can heal that. You have a God that loves you so much that he'll, he'll be there for you. I'm telling you, your life will change like that when you bring God on the scene. You're able to do that with a loss when you walk in in compassion. Sometimes the lost aren't receiving from the church because the church acts just like the lost when it comes to some things. We're harsh, we're critical, we're judgmental, and it just shouldn't be that way. I'm not taking out discernment to know, hey, you don't need to be a part of that or whatever. I'm not, I'm not throwing that out, I'm saying, but even in our normal lifestyle, we should be able to discern, hey, you know what, right now, it's not about whether I agree with everything. These people are lost. Of course, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. So, but if we're compassionate, then we can help them find their way. Your response to people does a lot in what they, what they open up to. I was telling someone this week, my parents, whenever I would get in trouble, a lot of times they would make me read scripture and write it. So some people think I'm so spiritual, I know all the scripture. I was just a bad kid. <laughs> so I had a lot of scriptures. But Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath. Harsh words stir up anger. And do you know by, by answering soft and not getting caught up in the screaming, yelling game, you, you defuse situations? It turns away wrath. Harsh words will stir up anger. Get harsh and watch how it builds. I've been on the ball field. I've been in the stands, and I've seen coaches and parents screaming. Almost come, one time they were almost ready to fight. And one guy was just livid, screaming, saying a bunch of things I can't even say. And I just stood in front of him. I got between them. I was like, hey, man, it's cool, man. Just, I understand you're frustrated, man. I, I get it. Man, don't, don't, don't let yourself go this far. Just, and I stayed real soft. He's yelling. I mean, he is yelling. <laughs> Spraying. <laughs> I need wipers for my glasses. Like, excuse me, man. Hold on. Let me turn these on full speed. But he's just, rawr. But you know what? When I started talking, hey, it's all right. It's all right. He's like, man, but yeah. You know what? Did you hear? And all of a sudden, his voice slowly started coming down. Now, if I'd have jumped in, like, chill out, dude. I mean, then it would have just fumed him. 
But it's amazing how when you need it, the Holy Spirit brings scriptures to your remembrance. Stay soft, you'll diffuse it. Stay quiet, stay gentle. That's what it is. When you're compassionate, I'm telling you, you change people's receptiveness to what you have to say. And you can help them. You can diffuse situations by handling it with compassion. All right, Matthew chapter 20. I know we do a lot of scripture, but the word is much better than mine. God's words are better than mine. Now as they went out to Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that, Jesus was passing by. They cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Jesus stood still, and he called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had, say it, compassion, and he touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. I read this scripture, and I thought, you know what? We need to be compassionate towards people that don't see things like we see. We need to be compassionate when people don't see everything the way we see it. Because can I tell you something? What I see today was different than what I saw five years ago. It's different than what I saw 10 years ago and 15 years ago. Because as we grow in our walk with God, our eyes get more and more open to the truth of his word, to a deeper place of his word. And there's some people that right now, they may not see everything the way we see it. They may not understand everything the way we understand it. And that doesn't mean that we don't stand in what we know is true. But it means that we understand, look, it's, you know, here's an example. There was a time someone was here, it was a while back, and they said something about they were struggling with something, and it was like, you know, they, they didn't even see what I was saying. I mean, they, they didn't even see it. They, were, they wanted me to get to this place so fast, but I'm like, I don't even know how to handle where I'm at. And I'm trying to get to this place, and it wasn't like, you know, I mean, it wasn't like, okay, but listen, you're looking at it like it's this huge place to go. But can I just tell you, you can get there. But what we first had to realize is right now, all they're seeing is the problem. And if we can be compassionate, we can help shift their eyes to the solution. But sometimes people have a hard time seeing past just their one little, their filter of what they think right now. And if we can be compassionate, say, listen, I I know that's what you're seeing. But I I want to encourage you. Just look past that. Look, look past that. There's, there's more. There's, there's hope. There's, 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 there's help. You know, because we don't, we don't want to stay stuck in our stuff. No one does. But at the same time, if for people who are just in it, and just like just now getting a hold of some basic principles of God's love and is, is when they feel something, they sense something. You know, let's walk with them through the journey. Let's start where they are and walk with them to help them get to, to the things that we know, to encourage them in the things of God's word and encourage them what the Bible says. You know, but to help, because there's, and you know, here's the other thing. This is something I've been much more open to lately. But, you know, there's times where, you know, there's like two or three pastors or podcasts I listen to and, you know, and, and we listen to these or we do this. And sometimes we, we shut out, well, they don't believe exactly like me. But can I just tell you, there's some, 
there's some rich stuff out there that people that don't look like us or act like us have gotten a revelation of some things. And if we can be open to whoever brings the word to us, whoever wants to encourage us, wherever we see it. I was joking one day, and, and it came across a little different, but I said, I was talking about when Chris and Curtis them speak, and I, I didn't mean them, but I did say, listen, God spoke through a donkey. <laughs> he did, right? In the scripture, right? So what today if a donkey came up? You know, what in the world? But what if there's donkeys in your life God wants to speak through? You know, don't don't be so closed off. You know, I'm not I mean you have to guard yourself too from certain things. But be open to let God speak to you. And if it's not him, he'll you'll you'll know. But if God wants to speak to you through through people that maybe aren't in your circle of influence or your whatever, let them. Let them. If they don't see everything the way you see it, that's okay. That's okay. I guarantee we can all sit down, and if we had the time to talk about every issue, we're all going to see things a little bit different in some areas. And be faithful in your area. Let people be faithful in their area. And if we're all serving God and seeking him, he's going to line us all up. He's going to line us all up. But be open for people that aren't seeing what you're seeing. Listen, God spoke to me about something, and, and I shared it, and everybody didn't see it. You know what that made me do? Question whether I... Whether it was right for me. When we planted this church and the Lord told me, don't, don't promote it, I'll build it. Just, just start. Don't put signs up. Don't, don't do nothing. Don't even invite people. Just watch. I will build my church. You know what I did? What any pastor would probably do when you meet with other pastors? How's it going? Oh, good. You have you invite a lot of people? Did you hit these neighborhoods around? No. No, we, we haven't invited anyone. Why? Oh, well, we kind of, the Lord kind of let us not to. Said he would build it. Can I tell you, I, I was excited when God said that. A little nervous. Because I even thought, like, Lord, doesn't your word say, like, how will they know unless they hear? Like, that was you talking, you know. I'm just saying. But you know what? But when I would tell people that, there were people that was like, oh, okay. Okay. Good luck. And there are some people that straight up said, dude, they're not going to know about it if you don't tell them. That's, I don't know if that's what God meant, like you can't even talk about it. But I knew where I had come from, that I had done everything in my power to build a youth ministry and do all that, that I knew that I was building something on me, and I didn't want to do that. God didn't want me to do that. And he was actually helping me to trust him, helping me to see his, his ability and not make it about me. But when I said that, there were a lot of people that didn't agree with that or even believe that. And what happened is it caused me to question. I was like, well, no one seems to think that's a great idea. And all the books you read say, don't do that. Like, tell people, blitz the neighborhoods, you know, do whatever, get a team. We didn't even have a team. Our team was me and Patty and our three kids. I knew for sure there'd be five at our first service. I knew it. <laughs> I'm going to pack that place out. But you know what? God's built the church. So it was okay that they saw it different. It was okay that other church planners did it different. It's okay. It's not right or wrong. They did what they were supposed to do. 
We did what we were supposed to do. And we're blessed, and they're blessed, and everybody's doing their thing. So we can't, you know, you can't take what someone else does and think, I'll do that. You have to do what God tells you to do, no matter what. So be compassionate on people if they don't see things like you do, or if they don't do things like you do. Be compassionate. Here's a third one. Matthew 6, 30 through 44, Jesus was moved with compassion. Uh, Jesus had compassion, touched their eyes. Immediately their eyes received sight. They followed him. Oh, let's go to Matthew chapter 6, sorry, or Mark 6, I'm sorry. Mark 6, that's why I wasn't up there. The apostles returned from Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even get have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place because where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran alongside of the shore to get there ahead of them. These people wanted to still be with Jesus. Jesus saw the huge crowd step from the boat, and it says what? He had what? Compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd, he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby Terms and, uh, farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. And they respond, with what? They ask, we, we would have to work four months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves, two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. You're talking over 5,000, probably close to 10 when you look at the family and, and all that. And you know what? Here's how it happened. When Jesus saw that they were hungry and he heard they were hungry, he said, let's do something. And you know what? Sometimes being compassionate to people when they have a need, sometimes it's going to cost you. Sometimes you're going to, it would be easier to say, let them do it themselves. Compassion to help someone if they're hurting. Compassion if someone, you know, is, is in need. And, you know, we had a, we had a situation where we had a lady in our church who had a, a big pile of uh, dirt at her, at her house that was dropped off in her driveway. I mean, she ordered it. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, who did that? You know, it wasn't like <laughs> someone just dumped dirt. All I mean, it was a big truckload of dirt to fill some places in her yard. And, and, um, and, and over the last few weeks, little by little, people were, you know, Chester and some people go over there and try to get it. But it was still a huge pile. So, so Chris, myself, James, uh, Kate, and who else was out there? Um, Chester, huh? Curtis. Who? Ricky. Yep. And uh, are all out there Tuesday morning, shovels, wheelbarrows, and just going after it. You know what that was? That's, that's what I'm talking about. Helping someone, being compassionate, saying, look, we, we, got, we can do it. 
taking time out of a Tuesday morning where we could have been doing something else or, you know, whatever. We moved our staff meeting and other people had probably stuff they had to do and they, everybody moves their schedule around and we just did it. That's what I'm talking about. When you know there's a need and you can, in some way, if, it, if you can make it work, meet the need. Meet the need. And, and that's, that's what I'm talking about, that kind of compassion to just say, here's a need. Can we help? And sometimes it might cost you. But think about this boy, this little boy. I don't know how, he, I don't know how old he was, but I know for me, if I, have my, if I have a lunch and somebody comes up and says, hey, man, can I have your lunch? Nope. Get your own lunch. <laughs> but you know what? He, he gave his lunch up. He gave it up. 10,000 people were fed. And baskets left over. Baskets full were left over. How does that happen? You know what it started with? Jesus being moved with compassion. And then the compassion that led to, hey, let's feed them. And then a boy who said, hey, I'll give what I have. And then Jesus taking that little bit and thanking God for it before he ever passed it out. Thankful for what looked like not even enough, but thankful. And then he told the disciples, all right, start passing it out. And it just kept multiplying, kept multiplying. But Jesus, he started with compassion. And he knew that, look, there's a need here. And can I tell you something we need to remember about our needs? That God says, I will supply all of your needs. Paul reminds us of it. I'll supply all of your needs. God will supply all your needs according to his riches. So if we know God's going to take care of us, then we can know that, you know what, God, you will give me what I need to help others. If you want me to help these people, then you'll help us. When we've given to people and to ministries, it's amazing. You can talk to any of the council members. We give the next month. It's like, whoa, we're blessed. Because God says he gives seed to the sower. So when you're blessing and you're doing what he's asking you to do, God's, God's taking care of you. So we need to be compassionate to the lost, to, the, to those who don't see things like that, and to those who are just needy and hurting. And, and that, that, can be, that can be tough to do. Let me show you these last verses for compassion. We'll just go through them, and we won't get through all of this, so we'll hurry. Colossians 3.12 as God's chosen holy people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with what? See, now we're talking about us. We've got to clothe ourselves with compassion. Galatians 6.2, share each other's burdens. In this way, you obey the law of Christ. You know when people are struggling? Share in their burdens. Help them. Get down there with them. Remember when Moses was holding the rod up and Joshua was winning the battle, but whenever the rod started coming down, Joshua, they started losing. So what happened? Aaron and Hur came alongside of Moses and lifted his arms up so, that, so the rod could stay in the air. And by them helping Moses, not doing it for him, but helping him, it brought victory. And that's what it is. Let's share. Let's do this thing together. We're a body. We're a body. If one of us is hurting, listen, we all need to help. You hurt your ankle, what do you do? Your other ankle takes more weight. You just kind of limp along for a while. And you just, you do what's necessary to help healing happen. That's what compassion is. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. We read this about Jesus being 
uh, or the Father of compassion and God of all comfort. And then he says, who comforts us all in troubles. But then he says this, so we can now use that same compassion and comfort others when they're in trouble with the comfort we receive from God. So we can only give as we receive. So we receive compassion and comfort from God so we can now have compassion and comfort for those around us who are hurting. Let's go to the next one. Ephesians 4, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind and compassionate to one another. That's what God's telling us to do. And then 1 Peter 3, 8, be like-minded, uh, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted. One translation says compassionate and be humble. Keep a humble attitude, you know, and realize that all that God has done for you. And then I'll close with this, and I'll just, I'll just, uh, we'll just say this fast. But in the, the passage of the Good Samaritan, let me remember that story. You had a, a, a guy that's going down the road, and he gets beat up. He gets robbed and left for dead. And it says that three people, walked, three people came along that road. And it was a road that there was a lot of stuff that happened on that road. It was kind of a dangerous place to go. And, uh, and it says the first, this, this Levite and this priest, they both walk by. And when they get to where he's on the side of the road, of all the people you think would help him, a priest or a Levite, you would think one of those guys are going to step in. And what do they do is they go to the other side and they walk, they walk past him. And then it says a Samaritan, a Samaritan saw him. And the Samaritan, the Bible says, was moved with compassion. Now, the Jews and Samaritan were, they weren't buddies. They, it wasn't a, it was not a good relationship between, typically between Jews and, and Samaritans. They didn't have a, a love for each other. But there was something in this Samaritan that said, you know what, it's a person. And they're hurt. And he goes over. And he ministers to them, and he bandages the wounds, and he, and he, and he puts the oil or, or stuff on it, and he bandages them, and then he actually puts him on his animal or donkey and takes him to a place where he can stay, takes him to an inn, and then pays for it. And then says, listen, I'm going to be coming back through. Let him stay here and recover, and if he needs anything, I'll cover it on my way back. When I come back through, I'll pay the rest of it. So basically he's saying, look, I'm... It's, it's costing me. It's taking up my time. He was going somewhere. And his whole path got altered by someone who was hurt. And he loved him. And he gave. And he helped. And he even said, look, you can, you can get on, on, on this animal. And I'm walking. And took him to get the help he needed. And then said, if there's anything else, I'll be back to check on you. And I'll cover it. In other words, from start to finish, I got you. A Samaritan. Because they were asking, you know, because it started with like, who's your neighbor type thing. So then at the end he goes, this, who was the neighbor? Who was the one who loved his neighbor? And they said it was the one who, who showed compassion. He's like, that's right. It's the one who showed compassion. That's the neighbor. So you have the... You know, I read this um, when I was studying. It said the thief, was, the thief had the attitude toward the, the guy, what's yours is mine, I'm going to take it. And he robbed him. 
The priest and the Levite said, what's mine is mine, I'm keeping it. And he just went right on past them. But the Samaritan said, what's mine is yours, we'll share it, and I'll help you. And that's the attitude that when we talk about God's compassionate toward us, we talk about how compassionate God is, and that's the thing. We sometimes are so quick to do something or act the way or say something before we really stop to think, what's it like for me? Because you know what we love? I guarantee you love it. You love the fact that God is compassionate. You love the fact that God loves you even when you mess up. You love the fact that when you really mess up, you can go to God and he forgives you. You love that. You love that God, you love when God blesses you. But sometimes when you have to be the one to extend it, if you don't remember what you've been given, it's going to be hard sometimes to give it. Because there's times for me when I think, you know what, that person, I don't even know. God, what? And sometimes you're like, um, you ever thought that sometimes you do that to me? I'm like, whatever. You know, I'm like, yeah, you're right. And I realize that there are times when I get upset because, hey, you said you were going to do that. You didn't do it. I don't understand it. You know, and I'm thinking, how many times have I told the Lord, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I just, you know, and then I don't. Or I, or I you know, I, or I handle it on my own. And then someone else does it. I'm like, why didn't you call me? I told you that I would. But yet we do that. So this whole thing of compassion, it starts with this. You have to understand God's compassion and love for you. And you have to receive it. And when you do, then he will help you and you'll give it. And my desire is that as we grow spiritually, that we become the most loving, compassionate, kind group of people that our community has ever seen. Not to build a church, because it has nothing to do with thrive. It has to do with God and people's life that need a Savior. They need a Savior. They need hope. They need love, and you have that. Be compassionate. When they don't have it, when people are hurting and people are miserable, they don't, they don't do things right all the time because there's so much turmoil going on. So when you see the compassion God has, let him help you to extend that to others. And let's be compassionate. Let's be loving and kind towards one another. In your home, with your spouses, with your kids, with your dog, with your friends, whatever. Just extend compassion with your neighbors. You know, if they pulled on the edge of your grass a little bit, be compassionate. It's grass. You know what the Bible says about grass? It dies. The grass withers. The flowers fade, but the word of God lasts forever. I'm not saying let them drive up in your house, but I'm just saying be compassionate. There's going to be stuff 